Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. One of the most captivating preachers that I've ever heard was Homer Sawyer. He spent the majority of his ministry years in Christiansburg, Virginia, retiring from the Bible Holiness Church after 44 years of ministry. He passed away in 2011, but his ministry lives on through the Avenue of Convention pulpit. This sermon was preached way back in the days of Huntington IHC, and he titles this sermon, Stories of Personal Evangelism. I know you're going to enjoy what you're about to hear. It is a real joy to be in the convention at Huntington. Always a joy to my heart to be in the IH conventions across the country. A real joy to my soul, and I trust that it is to yours. Some two or three years ago in Huntington, soldier boy out on the street wept his way to the Lord. I'd like to see him after service. If he's present today, he called me, gave him a little gospel track. Several of us had prayed with him. He called me one day long distance over the phone and wanted to tell us about how he was making progress spiritually. And if he's present or any of his folk, I'd like to very much see him after some time during the day. If he is here, any of his people, our present, I'd very much like to see the soldier boy that got to the Lord. Down the street yesterday, some people said to me, Oh, you're among that sweet, spirited crowd that have come back to Huntington. That was a joy to me to hear people say that about this crowd. A sweet, spirited crowd. God ever help us that we'd ever be just that. To a world out here that's perishing, lost, and undone. They might see something in our lives and know that we are a sweet-spirited people, a people with a care and a concern for them, with a love in our heart and our soul to see them to God. And let's manifest that spirit wherever we go around Huntington, not only at Huntington, but every place we go. Let us manifest that sweet spirit that others about us in our world can see and know that we're children of God, know that we're walking with the Lord. I do believe it's something that the world about us can know. One of the greatest things in our life is that when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our life, when he changes us and makes a new creature out of us, dear friends, to me, that's the greatest miracle that God has ever performed. And that is when he changes the heart and life of an individual, makes a new creature out of that person. That's the greatest miracle of all. Not the healing of the body, but the healing of that soul, to me, is the greatest miracle. And out here in this world about us today is a great host of people, great multitude of people today that are lost and undone away from God. And dear ones, they can be one to the Lord. Would we go forth with a real burden, with a real care and a real concern for them? 
we can see them into the fold of God. I wonder sometimes why we don't go after them with a greater concern, a greater burden to win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder at us at times why we don't. I feel many of them wonder at us too why we don't come to them with a greater concern, with a greater burden for their never-dying soul, trying to win them to the Lord Jesus. I stopped on my way up coming up the turnpike yesterday. Early in the morning, running a little late, but a truck driver had stopped over on the side and had some of his flares out that he was having trouble. I stopped to see if I could assist him. And as I witnessed to that man and talked to him about Jesus, I found a man that had a hunger in his heart for God. He wasn't a Christian. He didn't get saved. But he said to me yesterday, he said, Preacher, I told him I was a minister. He said, Preacher, would you remember an old truck driver? She go on up the turnpike, would you just pray and whisper a prayer for this truck driver? He said, there's a hunger in my heart to get right with God. I believe there was. I feel there was a real hunger in his soul. The dear ones, this morning I feel there's a host of people out there in our world today. And there's a hunger in their heart if we'd go to them. Witness to them, put our arms about them, and tell them that Jesus loves them. We could win them to the Lord. Have a man on the hospital bed, Christiansburg, Virginia. During death's door, possibly it'll be an eternity, maybe before I return. But he said to me some two or three weeks ago, he said, Brother Sawyer, a number of years ago, I was staggering down the street to Christiansburg, Virginia, in a drunken stupor. And he said the cops had saw me staggering and they were heading for me. And he said, you pulled up to the curb and pulled me over into your car and took me home. I had to carry him in the house and pull his shoes off and covered him with a quilt. But that man's a Christian man today. He said to me when I left, just before I left, he said to me Monday, he said, Brother Sawyer, if I don't make it until you get back, he said, I want you to know that it's all well with my soul. He said, I never have forgot the time when you pulled me off of the street to pull old drunken bone and talked to me about my soul and prayed with me. Not only the one time, but many times. But I'd say this morning there's a host of people out there just like that man that's lost and undone away from God. They're waiting for somebody to come to them. In fact, the most of the folk of my church are those that staggered up and down the street corners in a drunken stupor. God got a hold of their hearts. Some of them had carried them in, take them home, put them to bed, their clothes on, but many of them have got to God. Have a testimony of how God picked them up out of sin, off of the streets, and give them peace in their heart and their soul. We're told in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 10, chapter 9 rather, verses 35 through 38 I'd like to read this morning. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as a sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth labors into his harvest. And let that be our prayer this morning as this great convention 
We would pray that God would send forth laborers out into the vineyard. The fields are white at the harvest this morning, dear ones. But the laborers are few out there for God. The laborers are few today that are going out with a real concern, with a real burden to win a lost world to the Lord Jesus Christ. May God help us and somehow burn within our heart and our soul. Help us to see the need and help us to launch out and go forth and win a lost people to the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact that the Lord has saved us should cause us to earnestly desire to see the salvation of other souls around about us. If what God has done for you and for me is, means more to us than anything in the world, I still believe it will mean the same thing to that man and woman out there that doesn't know God this morning. I believe it will come to mean to them the same thing that he does to us. And the Lord help us. If what God has done for us is worth more than all of the world, it will be worth that much to that individual that knows not the Lord this morning if we just go forth. God help us that we go forth with our hearts and souls of fire and a flame and a glow with the love of God in our heart to win a lost world to the Lord Jesus. Many out there I say this morning that are lost and undone. And I read in the scripture of Moses, this man, and the thing that impressed Moses uh, in this, that God gave him a revelation of his people that they were lost. And Moses, therefore, began to cry and intercede before God and ask God for the people of his day. Moses confessed and said, This people have sinned a great sin. And his burden was so great on his heart and his soul that he asked God to pardon the people of their sins, blot out their sins, or else blot him out of the book which God had written. And I say, friends, this morning, that's the kind of burden we need today. I do feel this morning the world is perishing for a lack of real concern, a real burden on our part uh, today to win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. As a young lad in, back in Grayson County, Virginia, those years of my life in Grayson County as a boy, I was brought up to believe that and was told from the time of a little lad that I was born to be lost and I couldn't be saved. I was brought up in what we call the old primitive Baptist church. That's no reflection on any of those if they're any here today, but they believed what would be would be. They believed if you were born to be saved, you'd be saved and you had nothing to do with it. And if you were born to be lost, you'd be lost and there couldn't, you couldn't do anything about your soul's salvation. And I said as a boy, if it makes no difference, I'm going to hell anyhow. Some told me that I was doomed for hell as a boy. I couldn't be saved. And I said, it makes no difference how I live. But, you know, it does. It makes all the difference in the world how we live. And I went the paths of sin, turned out to be a drunken boy. Lived a drunkard's life. Didn't know what it was for several years, hardly to draw a sober breath. But God reached down and lifted me out. Save my soul and give me the peace in my heart and my soul, friends. And I praise him for it this morning. But I felt across the early years of my life, really no one cared. No one was concerned. As a boy, I was never invited to Sunday school. I was never invited to church. Made my bed out many times in the straw ricks and haystacks and fodder shots along the way and in the barns when people would let me sleep in their barns. Many times when I'd go into their barns, they'd... Shoot at me, run me away. Some were merciful enough to me to put rice in their shotgun shells. Shoot me with rice and some with beans. Some shot at me with shot, didn't take the shot out of the shell. My mother died when I was small and was turned out in the world as an orphan boy. My dad, a drunkard, didn't see him sometimes for two or three years at a time before I'd see my dad. But I really felt nobody cared. No one was concerned about my soul. No one invited me to church. Early years of my life, going, sleeping around from place, sometimes staying with people that stay a little while. 
Then would make my way out and go to somewhere else. They'd run me off at times and I'd go to another home to stay. They wouldn't let me stay at times and many times the straw rick was my bed. Call in and tunnel me a hole back in the straw and lay in the straw at night and possums and polecats and things would come in and make their din with me in the straw rick and I'd run them out. Didn't have clothes to wear hardly in that but go to somebody's clothesline when that washed and they would go on to the fields to labor out in the fields and I'd steal the clothes off of the clothesline. Steal things out of their milk house to eat. They had their milk in the old spring house and the drain in the water. And I'd steal things out of their milk house to eat cornbread and butter, drink their milk. Felt no one on earth loved me. Felt when my mother died, there was no one else on this earth that loved me, that cared anything for me. On Sunday, many of my Sundays were spent in the mountains among the laurels. Weeping and crying and thinking other boys have clothes to wear to go to church. Other boys have something to eat. I have nothing, have nobody to love me, no one to care. But I'm glad Jesus cared for him. I'm glad he cared for me. I'm glad he got to my heart one day. But as a lad of a boy, I went to a home one day and I thought when I was kicked about and knocked about. I went to the home of a minister. And I thought if anybody on earth will be kind and loving and good to me, it would be a minister seeming that no one else was. Not everybody in the country whipped me when I'd climb their gates and cross their fences. Make a shortcut, they'd get after me with a limb and cut the blood out of my legs almost. Some of them did. But I thought if anybody'd be kind to me, it would be a minister. I went to his home one day and rapped on his door, asked him could I stay with him. Stayed for a few months, never one time did he ever pray with me. Never one time did he ever tell me that I ought to live a different life when I was living. Asked him could I go to Sunday school, no. Wouldn't permit me to go to Sunday school, a little Methodist church. Wouldn't permit me to go to Sunday school. The only time I'd go to church when I was there was to the associations during the summer months. I'd go with them to the associations. But God never spoke to my heart, seeming in all of those times those people weren't concerned about my soul. In fact, I was told among all of that group that I was doomed and damned for the devil's hell. But I say again, I'm glad that God got a hold of me one day and saved me. Praise the Lord, glad he got a hold of me. Give me the peace and the joy in my heart and my soul. From that day on, I've desired, it's been the deep desire of my heart. And that is to see the salvation of precious souls around about me. There's a host of people out there that feel just like I felt in the years of my life that no one cares. No one is concerned. I run upon some of those people across the journey of life. I was in a home some few months back, long last spring, last summer. I was in a home and visited this home and the people I had witnessed to them about the Lord. The lady said to me, I've never put much stock in religion. And I said to her, why? She said, well, I've never seen many people really that really live what they professed. And I said, well, true, sister, there's many people maybe don't live what they profess. But I said, there's a lot of true people across the land. I said, God can save and change and transform the heart and life of an individual and make a new creature out of them. And as I witnessed to them, this lady and her husband, she's a retired school teacher, I witnessed to them, talked to them, went back to visit with them different times. And one day when I went back and I told them about the Lord, what the Lord could do for them, how he could change their hearts, there come a hunger in the heart of this precious soul, this woman, I feel for God. 
She said to me one day, she said, Reverend, I'd like to talk to you before you leave today. I went around the house with her husband. He was showing me some things. They had two homes, one down in Roanoke County, one up in our county. And as I went around with him outside and he was showing me some things and I slipped back around the house and she said to me, she said, Preacher, you've talked a lot about God and what God can do. You talk like you really believe God. I said, Sister, I do. God can do for us and help us and do for us when no one else can. And she said, I have a very urgent request then. From the way you talk, you believe God. God can do anything, can he? I said, surely he can. She said to me, she said, I've, I'm in an awful fix. She said, I can't let my husband know. But I'm about to tell you if he knew he'd kill me. I said, oh, I wouldn't think so. Didn't know what she was going to say. But she said, preacher, the way you've talked, God hears and answers prayer. God reveals. God shows things. I said, surely he does. Lord answers prayer. He's on the throne. He hears and he answers prayer. She said, I've just been careless with some money. I had a little better than $6,000. And somebody, I left the house unlocked. Somebody has come in and stole the money. And I, if I let my husband know, he may kill me for losing $6,000, $6,003, I believe it was to be exact. And she said, somebody stole that money. I'm into our house. She said, I wish you'd just pray. God would show you then the way you talk. He answers prayer and shows you things, reveal things. I wish you'd pray that the Lord would show you who got my money. I never did pray anything like that before. But as I thought about it, and I thought about what the husband might do to the woman when she told him that she'd lost $6,003. And as I prayed about it, and that's a tremendous loss, or it would be to me, that's a lot of money. May not have been so much to this family, but a lot of money to me. But in the place of prayer, and I was praying and asking God to help these precious people, get them to the Lord, and I could see them into the fold of God and see them walking with Jesus. I went back to visit with them again and again and times that went back. And one day the lady said to me, she said, well, preacher, has God revealed, has God showed you who got my money? I said, yes, sister, I feel God has showed me about your money. I'd never been in their home before in Roanoke County in my life, but in prayer, I just felt God just give me the very picture of the home. Just let me see the home, and I described it to her as God showed it to me on my knees in the place of prayer. And I told her where her money was in the home. She went back and found the money exactly where I told her it was. I've never been in that home. I've been in their summer home, but I've never been in their regular home. But I'm glad God can reveal things and show things to us. I'm glad he's on the throne. But this woman, a retired school teacher, sought God. And I believe he's in the fold today, walking with Jesus. She said, Preacher, I'm convinced that God is on the throne, that God hears and answers prayer. I'm convinced there's something to old-time religion. There is, friends. Thank God this morning, I'm glad there is. There's something to old-time religion. And I believe she and her husband called me not many days ago. They'll be coming back into our county soon, I hope. And called me not many days ago, and told me how they were making progress spiritually. I appreciate it this morning. I thank God for them, but I'm glad God's a prayer hearing and a prayer answering God. 
If we'd only take the, the precious souls of men and women on our heart and weep for them and cry for them, God will give us the assurance in our heart we can see them to the Lord. I feel if one thing the Lord does for us when he saves us, he wants us to be a soul winner for him. Wants us to go out and win a lost world to the Lord Jesus. A lost people into the fold of God. I don't know of anything today that pays greater dividends than going out and winning a lost world to the Lord Jesus Christ. They can be one, friends, if we go out there after them. Our trouble in the holiness movement today, I'm afraid, is that we're not going out after a lost world. Not going out there with a real vital concern for their soul welfare and where they're going to be in eternity and witnessing to them and talking to them about the Lord. But I feel we must. We must go out there after them. We see them on, uh, on Sunday mornings as I meet them going down the highway. See them and I'm going out to pick up folk, bring them into the church. I see them with their boats behind their automobiles. I see them with their campers. I see them heading out. I see them out in their gardens, planting their gardens, plowing their gardens, doing all of these things. I see them going here and there to the world. I'm convinced as I see people then going out and going to the pleasures of the soul world. I say there's a people that's hungry. There's a people that's searching for something. But in the direction they're searching, they'll not, they'll not find that that satisfies the hunger of their heart and their soul. But, oh, friends, if we could only see them out there as they go in and out the theaters and go in out the hell holes of this world of ours, and, oh, we could only see there's a people I feel in their heart with a hunger deep within their soul, a people there that's hungry for something, they're searching for something. I was one of those. I searched across this nation of ours in a drunken stupor almost from one end of it to the other, trying to find something that would satisfy the hunger of my soul. I didn't find, I didn't look in the, in the right place for it. I didn't go to the house of God. But oh, I say, friends, there was a deep hunger in my heart for something that would satisfy the deep cravings of my soul. I didn't know what I was hunting, but I found it one day when I come back to Withville, Virginia. I found there, precious to my heart and my soul, the Lord Jesus, that Savior that gave me the peace and the joy. My heart and my soul had 19 fifths of liquor that night that I bowed at an old-fashioned high mourner's mates in a little Methodist tent. And God saved my soul, heard my cries. I didn't know how to pray, didn't know what to say, but I promised. I promised God there in the tears if he'd only see me. I promised him I'd live for him. And God did that very thing, friends. And I say tonight, today, if we'd only see a world out here that's perishing and only take them on our heart and weep over them and cry over them, we can see them to the Lord. Many out there as we see them going to the pleasures of sin. And there to me is a, is a challenge unto us to go out there and challenge that individual. Go out there after them and win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. They can be one, friends, if we'll only go out after them today. Uh, we have a I bank over where I do my banking, what little bit I do, and that in Christiansburg, Virginia. I'll go by there down the highway, the highway 460 there some years ago, coming out one day, driving down the road. Uh, there, just out of the corporate limits of Christiansburg, there was one of the most wicked, ungodful, sinful joints of our county. And I thought, oh, that's a scene that so many people are being drugged down to hell from that awful, ungodly joint. Going down the road one day, just seemingly impressed of God to stop my automobile and go over and witness to those people in that place, severe tavern, a uh, house of ill fame, everything was going on there. I got out of my car, left it parked across the road. I went across the, the road and went over to the place and went in and I hunted up the manager of the place. I told him who I was. I said, sir, could I witness and testify of God saving grace in this place? He said, yes, you may. And he unplugged the piccolo machine or whatever it was that had all of that old weird music on it and gave me the opportunity to witness and testify to those people they were in there with the place was dim with cigarette smoke 
cigars smoking. They were passing their bottles back and forth, and almost everybody had a bottle in his hand or a glass in his hand. So I witnessed to those people and told them of God's saving grace, how that he seemed as a drunken boy. Give me the peace in my heart and my soul. All those beautiful girls there that were sliding it across the counter in the bar, I to those people that were buying, I told them that they'd stand accountable. And I said, the man that owns the building will stand accountable when they the judgment bar of God. And I said, people, I'm concerned about you. I don't want to see you miss the way, but I want you to make it through to the city of God. I bowed my head and had prayer there in that awful joint in the midst of the dim smoke and those things. Bowed my head and had prayer. Uh, the next day, the manager, the man that owned the place, called me and he said, are you the preacher that come in to my place? Called the name. I said, yes, I am. I didn't know what was going to take place. But he said, Reverend, I didn't sleep last night. I didn't rest. He said, you stated yesterday when you were in here that those that slid the beard across the counter would stand accountable at the judgment bar of God. Those that put the bottle to their neighbor's lips would give an account. The man that owned the building, the man that rented the building or whatever would stand before God would give an account. And he said, Reverend, I didn't sleep last night. I couldn't rest. And he said, would you talk to me? I want to talk to you. I said, yes, sir, I will. Went to talk with that man. He said, I don't know what it'll mean. But he said, I don't want to damn the souls of anybody else. I realize what I'm engaged in. I realize my business is damning the souls. You're opposed to me. You're opposed to my business. I said, yes, I'm opposed to the business you're engaged in. But that man had a hunger in his heart. Whip his way clear through to Jesus. He said, Reverend, if I starve to death, I'll starve, but I'll never open the doors again. Called the brewery company, told him to come back and take the beer and the, the alcohol beverages out of the place. Close the door. There sits on that little spot of ground today, a beautiful little brick bank. Where in the every time I walk in the doors, I just thank God and praise God. Bless God that a place, a house of ill fame, a place of drink, a place that was damning the souls of boys and girls and men and women. Thank God there's a little bank there where I do my banking there now. And I rejoice each time I go in the door, and every time they have a different teller in there, it's a joy to me to go to the teller's window and tell them why that little bank I feel is sitting there because God answered prayer, moved out an awful, wicked, sinful, ungodly joint, and set a little bank there in its place. I say, dear ones, oh, if only somehow we could just get a vision of the world out here that's perishing, that's without hope, without God, and go forth to win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we really could if we'd only, our friends, see the value of a soul. A soul is very valuable today. It's the most valuable thing in all of the world is a precious soul. I think sometimes we don't put the proper value on souls. If we did, then we'd spend a lot of our time knocking on some doors, talking to people, witnessing to people, trying to win them to Jesus. We don't really prize their soul very highly. I'm afraid we don't today. We have opportunities, opportunity after opportunity, and still we don't take advantage of it. We don't go out and tell the story. Jesus said, you are my witnesses. We're his witnesses. We're to go forth and tell the story of Jesus to a perishing world, to a world that's perishing out here without hope and without God. The Lord help us that we'd go out and witness to those precious souls and see them into the fold of God. Go out there with a real concern, with a real care. For those precious souls and win them to Jesus. They can be one if we'd go. God help us and place them on our heart and our soul until it burns within us until we have to go. Oh, that's the kind of burden we need today. Now, I believe this is the old-fashioned crowd across America today. I believe gather in these conventions from time to time. 
And I believe it's the best crowd across America. I certainly do today. But I wonder sometimes if we're not missing it. We're missing it along this line of carrying a burden, carrying a concern for our precious boys and girls, for men and women that are outside of the fold of God. Friends, I'm afraid that we don't go on our knees and weep and moan and groan and cry as we ought to for the souls of men and women, boys and girls around us. How many times are our eyes wet during the, during the week, during the day, for the precious souls around us out there that's lost? Don't we visualize that lost soul, that man, that woman that's lost and undone away from God, going down the broad road toward a devil's hell? Their soul is precious. Your soul is precious. Their soul is precious. Let's go out there. Oh, somehow we could just arm ourselves and go forth and go out to witness to a lost and a perishing world and see them into the fold of God. They can be one. The very hardest of cases can be one if we just go after them. Many times people say to me, oh, preacher, uh, you're wasting your time on that individual. That's a challenge to me. People feel a lot of times churches feel, well, that's a hopeless case. You're wasting your time with that individual. That challenges my heart to win that individual. Some three or four years ago, four years ago, I guess it was, had a man over a few miles from our church. A man that was a very wicked, sinful, ungodly man. I guess carried the name of being one of the most sinful men of our county of Montgomery. He got on my heart. My heart was burdened for him. And some of his people said something to me. Brother Sawyer, oh, I would you just pray for this man. And I took him on my heart in prayer and began to pray. And the more I prayed and thought of him, the deeper the, the burden, the load on my heart for this man. Man that owned a beautiful home, he and his wife grew climbing up in years. But to end this, I knew that he made his home and had all of his possessions. I knew he had it by making moonshine liquor. That was his business. That is what he was engaged in. And I began visiting with him. And some of his own people then said to me, Preacher, you're wasting your time. That man will never get to God. He's had too many opportunities. Years ago when he was small, he'll never get in. He's never been moved on for years and years. His heart hasn't been touched. But that's a challenge to me when the world, church world, and even the church in his community said there's no hope. It's way, it's, you're wasting your time to deal with him. A real challenge to my heart. I went after this man with a greater determination than ever before that I'd win him to Jesus. Visited his home. I don't know. I Possibly, I guess, 20 times I had prayer each time in his home. And I said to him one day, I just had one arm. One arm was off up about here. He had a son that had arm off, one one right arm and the other one the left arm. Many times her picture appeared in the newspaper, pushing a wheelbar. One with the right hand had a hold of the right handle. The one with the left arm had a hold of the left handle and both of them pushing the wheelbar. But in visiting that man, and one day God got to his heart. I said to him, Andy, it's time that you sought God. Then the time that you seek the Lord, he'd been coming to church. We'd got him to come to church a few times. And there in the home that day by an old rocking chair, Andy Hill bowed his heart, cried out of his heart, couldn't even read his own name, couldn't sign his check only by an X. If he ever worked to get a check, it had to be signed with an X. Couldn't read his own name. But he got on his knees by an old rocking chair in the home. Prayed clear through to victory. God gloriously saved him. Lived in that community for 34 years. Had been a trouble and a bother to every family, every home in that community. Across the years, they'd tried to get rid of him because of his business in which he was engaged in. But they never really prayed for the salvation of his soul. I watched that precious man and his wife 
take not just a quart, not just a half a gallon or a gallon, but I watched him take literally gallons and gallons and gallons of whiskey and pour it down the sink. I rejoice at what God is able to do. That man and his wife went about over that community in which they lived in for 34 years. And they went to every home and visited every home in the community and prayed in those homes. And they said to Catholics, Presbyterians, Episcopalians, Methodist Church of God, they said to everybody in that community, I want you to go to church with me. I want you to hear my pastor preach. And that man and his wife brought more people into our church than all the rest of us put together. A one-armed man bring load after load of people into our church. And he didn't bring the same ones all the time. He didn't rest until he brought every family in his entire neighborhood to hear this preacher preach. He brought them in, Catholics and all. He said, you've got to go one time and hear my pastor preach. That man, when the invitation would be given during the service, I'd see this one-armed man slip across and witness. He has two brothers that are millionaires. And he slipped across to one of those millionaires that had brought him to church one night. And he put his, that one arm around him and cried and pleaded with him to go to an altar and get right with God. It's that man's privilege to see a sister, two sisters and a brother, one to Jesus. It's a joy to him to win souls. Somebody would come around in his community and around about him and would say to him and that and talk to him and tell him about what, how I used to sell them whiskey. And that, and they say to Andy, I know you still have some. He'd say, no, I don't. God deceived me. I've gone out of the business. I'm no longer engaged in the business of selling whiskey anymore. But Andy would witness to them, pray with them, and try to get them to the Lord. And if he wasn't making the progress he thought he ought to, he'd call me on the phone. And he'd say, preacher, you got time to come. i got a family over here that needs prayer. I want you to come and talk with them. And I'd come over, and sometimes they'd be gone, and Andy Hale would take me. I to their home, and I would have prayer with them, and it was a joy and a privilege to see many of those people that rested on that man's heart, see him one to the Lord Jesus. He was a soul winner for Christ in winning the loss to the Lord Jesus. Dear ones, they can be won if we didn't go out there after them, and I with a heart, a cry on our soul to go out and win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. They can be won when we go out there and win them to Christ. Many out there that are lost this morning, they're lost and undone away from God. Oh, somehow that we just go forth and go out there to win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. I find Jesus on one occasion when he come in, and he come down from a weary journey, and no doubt he was hungry. And I find when he come by there from being weary from his day's journey and that, and sat down on the well, and he took time there and missed a meal. He took time to lead a Samaritan woman to, the, to him, lead her there to the fountain where she could drink and never thirst again. And I say, friends, you and I ought to be able to go out here and point souls to the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world, and see them into the fold. That's the greatest business in which we can engage ourselves, and that is the winning of lost souls. They can be one if we'll go after them. There's such a thing as praying through and touching the throne. Amen. And being assured in our hearts that God is going to save that individual. God's going to save that person and get them in. If we're getting under a burden for them and under a load and weep over them, I believe we can see them to God. I believe we can. I believe we can see them in. We can see them into the fold of the Lord. I have a man in my church that a number of years ago, I'm in a faithful to attend church. Come as a faithful tither. You very seldom find center people that tithe. But this man tithed of his income. Hard to get a lot of professors to tithe today, isn't it? 
For this man, professional grace, but he tithed of his income, tithed of his weekly salary every week, put it into the house of God. Many people had prayed for him. Many evangelists would hide with us. And when they would preach and they'd tell him after service, shake hands with him and say, oh, brother, you were an inspiration to me to preach tonight. He'd say, pray for me. I'm an unsaved man. Could almost knock the evangelist over with a straw. When this man would tell him that, that he was an unsaved man because he just helped pull the preacher right out of you. But I thought we'd prayed for this man and pled for him across the years. Still, he was outside of the fold. And one Friday night in the little Friday night prayer band, and I said, camp meeting was approaching, and I said, I feel we ought to be more definite in our praying. I believe in a sense we could even set a time limit on some things, and God will answer prayer, and we can see the salvation of souls. And I said, John, rest on my heart so heavy. I said, let's pray, let's agree together that before the camp meeting comes to a close on Friday before camp begins, I said, before camp meeting comes to a close, let's agree that John's going to get here. God gave the assurance. And I announced that night in the service to the little prayer band, I said, John's going to get here. God has given the assurance he's going to get in. Go with the Lord. Before the last amen is uttered in camp meeting. I believe there's such a thing as praying through people, touching the throne, God assuring our hearts of these things. I'm down all to the last night of the meeting. John showed an interest in the first part of the camp. Steve Herron was one of the workers that year is God. I dealt with John. He showed a real interest along about halfway through the camp. Just seemingly lost all interest, become hard. Seemed like his heart was hard as rock. Not moved on. Come to the closing night of the camp meeting. Brother Heron was gone. Brother Kendall, some of the others were there. They said, Brother Sawyer, you announced that John is going to get in. What's some of the people going to think about you? Sometime you make a statement, something is going to happen. We've come to the last night of the service. And looked like he's harder than he's ever been before. I said, the last amen hasn't been uttered yet. Just leave him in the hands of God. I'm down to the last altar service of that camp meeting. Give the altar service those prayed through. John still didn't come. We were about ready to go. Some of them said, all right, Brother Sawyer, service is yours. I said, you're at liberty to go. Some of them said, Brother Sawyer, what's it going to do to your ministry when you announce definitely something is going to happen and it doesn't? All the people had left, gone out from the camp meeting. Only about six or seven people left in. John was among the six or seven. Nobody had said a word to him. John started for the door to go out. But before he got to the door, he turned and made his way to the altar. Amen. One of the brethren just locked all the doors. And only about the six or seven of us inside. The whole camp meeting crowd locked outside. There was a prayer meeting going on inside. They didn't know what was taking place. But in a very few minutes, John struck fire and got through to victory. Praise the Lord. I'm glad God never fails, people. If we'll get out on these old prayer bones and pray and weep and seek God and pray clear through, God assure our hearts of something, it'll happen just as God said it will. He's never failed in a promise, dear ones. God can do everything but fail and he can't fail. Why don't we pray more and Pray for souls and pray through for them and see them saved, see them into the fold of God. There's not any of them too hard for the Lord. If we'll just pray, if we'll take them on our heart, if we'll weep over them. I can't understand us professing to be a Christian and not have a burden, heart and soul for a lost people. I believe it's one thing that salvation does for us. Gives us a real measure of burden and a concern and a care 
for lost people out there that are lost without God. I wonder sometimes why we're not in tears more, why we don't weep more. We see our lost boys and girls. We see sin on the increase. We see iniquity increasing about us everywhere. But seemingly it doesn't stir our hearts. It doesn't bring us to our knees. It doesn't drive us to the throne of grace to pray. It ought to, dear ones. We see those lost souls out here lost, undone, unconcerned about their soul. Oh, somehow it ought to drive us to our knees in real desperate praying, real earnest praying, and seeking God to see them in, see them through into the fold of the Lord. Every one they weigh on our hearts, Paul wept for the people night and day for the space of three years. Night and day he wept, dear hearts. Now I'll tell you this morning, dear ones, there's many of them out there that'll never get to God until our eyes become wet with tears, till we're concerned, until we're burdened, concerned with a care on our soul for those out there that are lost. God help us that we'll be concerned, that we'll care. Many of them, they wonder why we don't come to them. They wonder why we don't put our arm around their shoulder and talk to them about their soul's salvation. Do you do that? Oh, you say, yes, preacher, I do in revival. Do it out there in the home, friends. Do it out there on the street in those places. And then in revival meeting, you can step down and put an arm around the shoulder in a revival, and you'll see them weep their way to God. You'll see them step out and make their way to an old-fashioned mourner's bench and weep their way to God. But all I say, we need to deal with them out there in their homes. It's almost a thing of the past of Christian people going out into the homes and knocking on the doors and witnessing to people and testifying of the saving grace of the Son of God. Many, many people in our county of Montgomery have told me across the years, Preacher, you've been the only minister that has ever darkened our door. Years and years, as high as 52, 54, 58 years, I have a lady that attends our church and said for 58 years there was never a preacher ever darkened her door. I want to tell you, friends, there's as ministers this morning, God help us to go out there and rap on the doors out there and win lost souls to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're out there. They can be one if we'll go. If we'll have a care and a concern, Father, we can win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. But all oh, many of them out there today, friends, lost and undone away from God, and they're wondering why we don't come to them. Why is it you don't go to them? Why is it you don't go out there and deal with them? Why is it? I was walking down the, uh, going into the hospital just a few days ago, our county hospital in Montgomery, going into that hospital, and I rounded the corner on my way in a hurry, and as I run into one of the doctors, he and I bumped together. I said, oh, Dr. Salinas, I'm sorry. I said, I was walking too close to the corner. He was too. And he's a foreigner, but he's a worker in our hospital, and he said, Reverend, can I have a word with you? And I said, yes. And as that man talked to me in a broken way and his speech and that could hardly uh, many people can hardly understand him but he said all oh, to me he said reverend he said i'd like for you to drop by my office i'd like to talk with you i said yes dr salinas i will and i went by his office and i went in his office and i said to the lady at the desk i said dr salinas i want to see dr salinas he asked that i come by his office i she said you have a seat i sat down two or three minutes she went back and she called me out and she said Come with me. And I went back and sat down in his office where his desk was. I said, there he come in. He said, oh, Reverend. He said, I have some problems. He began to lead his problems to me. And he said, I have faith in you. I have confidence in you. He said, Reverend, would you take these things on your heart and pray? I don't know anything about this much. But he said, I'm eager to know. There have been times when he'd waited on my wife and other patients in the hospital and there in those times when in other rooms with other patients and my wife and times and I was in having prayer and I had prayer before 
those operations and before those things and the doctor's heart was moved on. His heart's moved on. I'm desirous and anxious of seeing this precious soul into the fold of God. I believe just as sure as I'm here this morning, God has a grip on his heart. I believe God is talking to this precious man. He said to me, Reverend, he said, my office is always open. And I'm in my office. And any time you can, you stop in. I have a few minutes to talk with you. Any time you stop in my office. That's a challenge to me. A doctor that speaks in broken uh, English and I can hardly speak our English. But oh, I'm desirous of seeing this precious soul to God. Seeing him into the fold, seeing him walk the way with the Lord. I'll tell you this morning, friends, there's multitudes of them out there. Can be one if we just go out with a real heart concern, with a real burden for him to see him to God. Oh, I wonder sometimes how it is that we profess, how it is we say we're children of God, and yet seemingly today we don't have that uh, compassion and that burden. Jesus looked on the multitudes uh, there with compassion on them. And I'll tell you, friends, I believe we ought to look on the world out here uh, with a compassion today, with a desire to win them to the Lord Jesus Christ and see them into the fold. There's so many out there that's hungry. Would we launch out and go out and witness and take time to put our arm around them and talk to them about the things of God? So many of them don't know. So many of them are eager friends for us to come. God help us that we'd go out regardless of who they are. Dear ones, and that we need to go. We need to witness to those people. Let's go out there with a real vital concern in our heart and our soul to see them to Jesus. I feel we must. I feel the time is short. And the Bible said, I to us in this. And he tells us to be as though we husbands, as though we had no wives in this. Why he talks about the shortness of time. I'm convinced this morning, dear hearts, that we're living in the closing moments of time. The time isn't much longer today. God help us and give us a real passion, a real concern, a real burden for a host of people out there that's lost. Your children, how many times have we as parents put our arms around our own boys and our own girls and tell them we love them, tell them we're concerned about them? I'll tell you, friends, when one of them's outside of the ark of safety, I'll tell you, it puts a tremendous burden upon your heart and your soul when one's outside of the ark. Oh, indeed it does. Puts a tremendous load, a tremendous burden on our hearts when one of our own loved ones are outside of the fold. But I say they can be one when we go. Do we put our arms around that daughter, mother? Do you put your arms around her and say, daughter, mother's concerned. Mother cares for you this morning. I'm concerned. I want to see a, a child of God walking with the Lord. That's the thing to do in the home. Put your arm around them and talk to them in the home. And I believe you can win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. I say, friends, this morning the world out here before us, they're perishing today. They're lost and they're undone. And they're waiting for us, somebody to come to them and tell them the gospel story. The command in the scripture is go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And friends, that's to all of us that are Christians, not just to we preachers and missionaries and that. But every one of us that are saved are to be a missionary. We're to be a missionary. Every person that's saved is to be a missionary in his own home. Every mother is called to be a missionary to her own children. Every dad is called to be a missionary to his own children. We're called to be a missionary to our neighbors in our community and win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Does your neighbors ever burden your heart and your soul? Do you ever have that real burden resting on your heart for them? You ever, does it ever weigh on you for your neighbors that are lost? My precious neighbors have always been a burden to my heart and my soul. There are times when the burden has been so great on my heart for my neighbors that were lost and undone without God. And I, have the, I feel the greatest neighbors in all of the world. Don't feel anybody has any greater neighbors than we have around our church. We have neighbors around our church. They haven't opposed us. They haven't gone against us. 
But many of them, they all come into camp meetings, they come into revival meetings and that. Many of them say, Preacher, we've been looking, we've been searching. We have nothing. Our church offers us nothing in this way. No need of us going to our church. It doesn't offer anything. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad today, friends? Indeed it is. It's sad. But many times those precious neighbors of mine have rested on my soul until it seemed as though I would almost crush under the burden for my neighbors. You ever feel that way? I believe we ought to. I believe it ought to be that way in our hearts for our neighbors. That we feel like we're going to crush under the load, under the burden for those neighbors. And times, sometimes, and I've got up and walked out and went over into the church, church just across the drive from the parsonage. Gone over and walked the aisles of the church. And sometimes, the hours of the night when I'd walked the aisles of the church and my soul so burdened and so heavy for my neighbors until I walked out in the streets at times. And I don't say it boastingly. But in the street and up and down South Franklin Street, two and three o'clock in the morning, lift my hand up and say, oh God, here's the trumps. Help them and get them to God. Don't let a one in the family miss the way. Here's the bishops. Here's the Shelton's. Here's the Shelton's. Here's the Akerses that go down the street with those people on my heart. Been my privilege in these years to see a number of those almost from every household one to Jesus. Been a joy and a privilege. Some of those are druggists that lives across the street from us. He doesn't come to church often. His children come some. But each time a revival meeting rolls around, camp meeting rolls around, he'll see me out in the yard. He'll say, Reverend, step over a minute. I'll step over to his house. He'll pull out his checkbook. Here's something to help you in the meeting. Oftentimes, right when things are coming, how's the school going, preacher? Got a school in behind I had the church and the parsonage. How's the school going? I say, fine, God's helping us. Here, Reverend, I feel like I ought to have a little pirate in it. Pull out that checkbook, write out a check for $100. Young fellow, come over and say, preacher, here. I feel like I ought to give you $100 on the school today. This wife will step out of the house and say, Reverend, I can't let him give. And may not give, and she'll write a check for $100. I want to tell you, friends, God's on the throne. God hears and God answers. Praise the Lord. But ah, oh, many of those precious neighbors are still not into the fold of God. But I believe this morning they have the utmost respect. I for the church there in the community. They haven't opposed. They haven't fought against us. They say, why we feel you people have got something that puts us under conviction when we come. Those that are not in, those that are not children of God. I say, friends, there's a host of people out here in the world about us this morning. That's lost and undone. God help us to go out and win them to Jesus. They can be won. They can be won if we'd go forth and win them to Christ. I was going my way to Richmond, Virginia one morning. Early in the morning, stopped into a place for a bite of breakfast. I pulled into this place, went in, sat down on the stool. The booths were all filled as I sat there. There was a stool empty on this side of me and one empty on this side. In walked two state troopers. Sat down, I offered to slide over and let them so they could sit together on the stools. They were getting their breakfast. I spoke to them, witnessed to them, talking to them while they were waiting on their breakfast. I found within the heart of those two state troopers a real hunger. One of them said my mother was an old-fashioned saint of God. I'm not living the way I was brought up. And as I witnessed to them and we finished breakfast together and went out to get in the car, we got to the car there and I was bidding them goodbye and told them it was a joy and talking with them. One of those troopers opened his car door and leaned his arm on the door. I felt like I should have prayer with him. 
before God before they left. And I said, would you fellas mind if I'd just have prayer with you? No, I'll be happy for you. And there with that trooper leaning on the door of the state car, state police were on the side of it. It is my joy to see that man weep his way to Jesus. I want to tell you, friends, God's still on the throne. God still hears and answers prayer. I drove on down to Richmond. I went into state police headquarters at Richmond to pick up some things there. Surplus property, and I went in to pick it up. And Mr. Barber, another state patrolman. Mr. Barber, a very wicked man, and it's on the sheet of paper I had that I was to see Mr. Barber. And I went to see him, and he was cursing and swearing and using awful language. I said to him, sir, I wish you wouldn't talk like that. That really burdens my heart. I used to do that. God saved me. But I said it hurts me when I hear people take God's name in vain. I wish you wouldn't talk like that. Each time I went back, I had to go see Mr. Barber each time. And each time I'd say something to him about his language. One day his wife was there and he introduced me to his wife. And he was usually there at the headquarters. And he said, she said to me, she said, Reverend, she said, I don't know you, but she said, whatever you're doing to my husband, please continue. He wasn't saved yet, but she said, please continue whatever you're doing to my husband. I want you to continue. He's a changed man. He quit his foul language. He quit his cursing. Gave these things up. as my joy one day to see Mr. Barber, one of the state patrolmen at headquarters in Richmond, Virginia, weep his way to Jesus. Amen. His wife said, it's worth it all just not to put up with the foul mouth that he's had across the years. She said, why, well, I had such a foul mouth, foul language that... I was embarrassed to go with him anywhere. He used foul language. But their home is different. God is blessing them. I told them of a little church outside. That's 200 miles away from me. And I told them of a little church out a little ways away from them. I said, go down. They're just a little small group. But I said, there'll be a blessing to you. They'll help you spiritually if you'll go down and be with them and worship with them. He's worshiping in that little hole in this church, a little independent hole in this tabernacle down there. He's worshiping there with those people. Praise the Lord. I'm glad God's on the throne. They can be one. Praise the Lord when we go out. God help us as ministers of the gospel. We go out, go into the places of business and offer prayer and have prayer with them and win our businessmen to God. They can be one to Jesus. Monday's my day usually most of the time, not every Monday, but most time Monday's my day to go into the business places of our town. Go into business places and there in the business places, ask them, can I have prayer with them if they're not, especially some of the clothing stores, men's clothing store. Go in there and one of our neighbors about us close by us run the clothing store. Go in. You call all the clerks together. Say, come on, Reverend's going to have prayer with us this morning. And we'll all gather in the back and they have bells on the door that when the door opens, you can hear the door open. And we'll all gather back, all of the salesmen will gather back and we have prayer. And when I hear the door, the bells jingling on the door, I soon bring my prayer to a close. But it's been a joy to see some of those men change. Some of them are not going to my church, but it's, I believe they're in the experience of old-time religion. I believe they love God. They haven't lined up to everything yet that I desire, but I do believe their hearts are open and they're hungry. I say, friends, they can be one when we go out to win them to Christ. They can be one to the Lord. God help us and give us a desire in our heart and our soul to go forth and win lost men and women, boys and girls. I want some sheaves to lay down at the Master's feet. 
when I stand before him yonder, I want to be able to have some precious souls that I've helped to win. Don't you? That's my desire. Be able to have some souls and sheaves to lay down at the feet of Jesus that I've helped win to him. Praise the Lord. Let's go forth and go out and win them. They can be won. Amen. God help us to really see them as they are. Our grocery, we have so many opportunities if we just put forth an effort to win them. Precious man said to me, I was in a radio shop Monday morning. He said, preacher, are you going to the hospital? I said, yes, I am. I'm on my way there now. He said, my dad's in there. Would you go in and visit with my dad? I said, yes, sir, I will. I said, what's his trouble? I didn't know the boy's dad. He said he chews tobacco. And he swallowed the tobacco and it went down his windpipe. And he's in a very serious condition. I said, chewing tobacco and it went down his windpipe. He said, yes. He said, isn't that awful? But I went in and talked to the man. And it's my joy to see the man all broken. And he sat there on the hospital bed that, that never another chew go back in his mouth again. God had done something for him. And he said, there'll never another chew go back in my mouth again. I've spit the cut out, preacher. And I'll never put another one in again. Praise God. He goes to the Christian church. No reflection on them. But I said, you go back down there and you'll be a fireball for God. You witness. He said, I will if God gets me out of here. If I live to get out of here, I'll tell him what. He said, God's been dealing with me about my tobacco for a long time. And I wouldn't give it up. And he said, I guess it's God's way of dealing with me. Getting me to give up my could. Part of it went down his windpipe. An awful thing to have that sinking stuff down your windpipe, isn't it? Sure is. Indeed it is. But all I say this morning, God help us to go forth and win a world. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Interchurch Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. I don't want to lose the fire I don't want to lose the fire